Hi guys, my name is Vivek Raina. I am CEO and co-founder of Excitable Broadband. Happy to be with you here. Sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. You may have heard this famous phrase that was first written by the great sci-fi author Arthur C. Clarke. Imagine someone from the 1970s who time travels to today. The fact that we have internet everywhere will seem like magic to him. In this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, we peek behind the curtains of this magic as your host Akshay Dutt interviews Vivek Rena, the founder of Excitel. Excitel is the David-facing Goliaths like Reliance, Jio, and Airtel in the battle for getting internet to our homes. And despite such large competition, Excitel has continued to scale up rapidly. In this conversation, Vivek talks about the nuts and bolts of getting the internet to our homes and how he found a niche in a competitive market and managed to thrive in an extremely capital-efficient manner. Listen on, and if you like such insightful conversations with disruptive startup founders, then do subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app. My first job was in a broadband company, a wireline broadband company. I'm talking about 2001. And ever since that day till now, I have been just doing one thing, selling broadband in various companies at various levels. Now I co-founded this company, but that's been my job from last 22 years, 21 years now, selling wireline broadband in the country. You must have seen the technology change. Like 2001, you started your first job. I think at that time, it must have been copper wires, right? Through which... Yeah, it was coaxial wires. The wires are similar to TV wires. Uh, the technology is called DOCSIS, Data or System Interface Specification, which means use existing TV wires to deliver broadband. So yeah, and the speeds we were to... We were uh, delivering of where 128 kbps, 256 kbps package uh, in our bouquet of packages was 512 kbps. Gold premier we used to call it. And now start from 200 mbps. The basic package here exactly is 200 mbps. So obviously technology has changed a lot from DOCSIS, then to DSL, then to LAN. And now what is DSL? Digital subscriber line. See, what happened was that these technologies were developed in the US and Europe. So they wanted existing wires going to houses to be used for delivering internet. And uh, it's because it's not very easy to redo the wiring in the streets, in the homes. So in US, because cable TV was a big thing and cable companies were also massive, so they developed this technology called DOCSIS. And in Europe, telephone was big because every house had a telephone line. So they used telephone wire uh, going to house relevant. And that technology was called DSL and uh, the one using cable TV wires was called DOCSIS. Yeah, but ultimately people realize that none of these technologies are going to scale with the scaling bandwidth and scaling technology. The needs of why you access internet changed drastically over a period of time. Initially, it was just data. Now, it's mostly video. Data is now a small part of it. 90% of it is video. And uh, both these technologies are not meant for such deliveries. And one had to rely fully on fiber. And now, the gold standard is the world fiber to home. So, yeah, that's what we do here. That's probably what you are on in Japan. And that's what they do in the US and Europe. So, FTTH. When did fiber uh, get introduced to India? Uh, well, for core network, it got in early. I think even in 2003, 2003, around that time, 
the company started using it for core network but what i'm talking about is fiber to home that's a i think three four years back technology also developed you see fiber was there we understood that fiber can carry huge amount of data and is not by uh, let's say the signals or weather conditions because it's light ultimately going in unlike other technology where it's electricity and electricity gets hampered by a lot of things how does light travel through a wire is there wire reflective because if it turns it's, uh, it's not actually wire it's actually a hollow pipe with glass inside so there is a phenomena called total internal reflection like you have diamond in your hand light goes in and starts reflecting in the corners and it's sparkles similar you have a pipe and in pipe there is glass on all sides and you pump in a laser beam of a specific frequency amplitude rather in this case and it starts at a certain amplitude and it reaches the other side without much loss because it's light and uh, you can put multiple beams in the same pipe because multiple amplitudes can go yeah Okay, A- amplitude like yes. light of, like say white light, yellow light, they will have different amplitudes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so simply put, yes, you can say that. So but what it does basically is that it increases tremendously the amount of data you can put in that small pipe hundreds of times. The limitation is only of the electronic equipment that you put in between to amplify or receiver or broadcast. So it was a game changer for the world of telecommunication around the world. And here in India, coming back to your question, we started using it to, I think, to when people realized that it's a great thing to do and it started converting copper, existing copper wires into fiber. And, and yes, but what we're now talking about is fiber to the home. That was uh, very difficult to do because it's one thing to do to convert your core lines. It's very difficult and different to go into the streets, lanes, by lanes, go to every household with a fiber wire. So we had to look at technologies which are evolving around the world and also the price points are very important. Ultimately something called uh, technology called PON passive optical network technology uh, there are various versions of it, G-PON, E-PON they started coming and the prices started easing out to the extent that we could ever deploy it. So I think five around five, six years back is when telcos in India took it on them Around five, five and a half years back, the technology is mature enough for our mass deployment. But around three and a half years back, we started going fully on FTTH, fiber to home. Like before we talk about the Exitel journey, I, I want to understand the origin of the idea of Exitel and what made you want to quit a job. You were at DigiCable when you decided to start Exitel. So, so what made you want to quit that job and start on your own? And what did you see as a gap in the market? And- yes, it's a... It's a- Funny thing that India has been doing very well in mobile broadband and mobile telephony. We have what 600 million users of mobile broadband, mobile telephony. 600 million. And do you know how many users of wireless broadband are in the country? It's just it's just 20 million. Yeah. So two, two crores is that 20 million? So somehow the penetration never increased in the country, and also nobody was talking about it because mobile was taking all the you know show. It was hogging all the limelight. And it was easier to do for telcos because you, mobile is what? You, you just erect a tower and the whole locality starts lighting up. In this business, you have to go to each and every household with that wire. Thousand times more difficult to do this compared to mobile. The scaling up is 
hurdle. So it was it was low hanging fruit. Um, telcos did it, and also the uh, regulators and the government was also looking at that. So wireline somehow took a backseat. But our penetration uh, after so many years is still forget lower than the developed countries, forget Japan and forget Korea. We are doing worse than Nepal and Bangladesh of penetration of wireline broadband. And there's a clear correlation between development of a country and penetration of wireline broadband. There are worldwide studies which show 10% increase in wireline broadband leads to 1% growth of the country. There's a direct correlation. So, so I think somebody need to kickstart the ecosystem. But you were already in the ecosystem. You were already like part of it. So what, did you see a gap in the market? So I was working with various companies. As I said, I started with Hathway, then went to Reliance, went back to Hathway, then to DigiCable. In all these companies, we made we make grandiose plans of rolling out wireline. But somehow the response never came. Somehow the plans didn't get fully executed. Somehow the funding was not there for this line because companies had other ideas. This could never ha- uh, happen somehow. And then in DigiCable, I met, happened to met my co-founders. Now, these co-founders of mine are from Eastern Europe, Bulgaria. Now, Bulgaria is an interesting country. It is a European country, part of the EU, but the Eastern part of it, you know, more like Eastern people rather than western people and also they were under the iron curtain uh, till 1990 you know they were part of the ussr block and everything was government owned and uh, didn't have any private companies now in 1990 it got privatized 1991 privatized and my co-founders had started one of the first internet companies in bulgaria private internet companies in bulgaria and uh, became very successful there and ultimately they sold it they had to Deutsche Telekom and they were looking for opportunities and they came to India and we, we exchanged notes, tried to understand the markets and what they pointed out was very important. The fact was that he said one of the issues that you have, why the penetration is not increasing, one of the major issues is that you are still having very, very slow speeds, which means users cannot watch videos. This cannot be used for videos. It can be used only for surfing the net. Back then, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, year 2010-11 when we met. They said, uh, right now, internet here is a productivity enhancement tool. And Eastern mind is not so much concerned about productivity at home, work productivity at home. At home, they want leisure, they want entertainment, they want relaxation, not productivity. So uh, you are basically, that's why one of the major reasons why it's not uh, scaling here. You are selling it as a productivity enhancement tool. If you increase the speeds 10 times and users can watch videos and desktop at home, then you have a chance. So that was one uh, thing that sort of, you know, opened my eyes. The other thing was the nature of Indian cities, the nature of Indian urban conglomerates. What does it mean? See, 35% of all Indian cities are fully planned, but 75% have evolved on their own. For example, take any Indian city, big metro, you have 35% which are fully planned, properly structured, lanes, bylanes, or multiple uh, multi-stories with shafts, all that. That's not where 75% of urban Indians live. Uh, 75% of urban Indians live in those areas which have evolved on their own. Lanes and by-lanes. The, the village which got absorbed by the city. Exactly, exactly. Serpentine uh, lanes and so on and so forth. And, okay, in, in, in past, it was very difficult to go to these areas simply because there was no market there. Because to use broadband, you needed a laptop or a desktop. And these people would buy a laptop or a desktop. You had to see laptop. But all that changed now. Uh, you need for a consuming internet, for consuming entertainment on internet, all you need is a handheld device, a palm top or a tab or even a phone. 
and almost everybody in urban India has a smartphone. So that means these areas have opened as potential markets and they're not focusing there. They're still focusing on to high margin areas. These two realizations were the genesis of Excitel. Uh, is where Excitel uh, enough thought that we need to make a difference. First and foremost, bringing the speeds, bringing the high speeds to the Indians have data limits because we used to have something called data limits in the country. Fair use policy. It was strangely called fair use policy, which was very unfair. It basically said that that will penalize you for using internet. It didn't make sense at all. It was contrary to Excited when we started in 2015, we never had any fair usage policy, unfair usage policy, I would call them. All our plans were completely unlimited. You can use uh, those plans 24 by 7, keep on downloading, keep on watching videos, nothing will change. And the other thing that we more, more importantly was the fact that when the speeds, normal speed in the city of Delhi, for example, was 1 or 2 Mbps, we started with 20 Mbps so that people can actually use video, HD video. They can see the difference between the TV and a, and a real HD video. And um, what was DigiCable doing? They were also, like, they were doing internet through cable lines? or They were doing through co combination of everything, basically. It was basically a cable TV company, and they had a division uh, doing internet. And I was taking the power of that part. Okay, it was a secondary business for that. And also, come what may, and it was like that. There was no focus on any specific line. It was, let's do something about it. And let's do the, whether you have to sell bulk, whether you have to sell corporate, whether you have to sell retail, do it. Prior to two, three, now standalone internet players, still today, there, is, there are two or three players which are only standalone internet players in the country. Standalone wireline broadband players in the country. One is ACT, the other is us. Third is probably, no, no, there's nobody left only because all of them have been brought by the telcos. So there are only two companies doing, real companies doing the wireline broadband. Uh, the others are who have multiple business lines. So similarly with the, these cable TV companies, they were doing cable TV, but they're thinking now that my wire is going, let's use this wire for something else also. The real plan or vision was not there. So we did two things, Akshay. First and foremost was this speed, play with speeds that we did. Then secondly, we understood that this 30% of market, everybody will go there and let them play there. But we have to go to the 70% of the market, so-called rather than India. People who have been denied world-class broadband services by telcos. So we have we need to go there. But to go there, we do obviously be very cognizant of the fact that the ARPUs would be much lower there. It doesn't matter now that you're talking about 70% of the urban users, so you can afford cheaper ARPUs. So we kept the ARP at around 500 rupees always, so that it is tantalizingly close to cable TV. Because every home, even in Jubi in urban India, has a cable TV connection. Why can't they migrate to this? And then also, we sort of showed them it's a video consumption service rather than a data service alone. So that opens up certainly. And the third thing that we did, and more um, interestingly, because it's very difficult to do wiring in such areas. It's very difficult to lay wire and then maintain that wire in such areas. We tied up with local partners in every such locality. And these local partners are local investors. They invest in, on the fiber and lay the fiber and maintain the fiber. While as everything else we do, we do sales, we bring in all customers on board, we provide CX, billing and collection is done by us, so and so forth. I mean, it's, it's mostly online. These guys 
lay the fiber and maintain the fiber in the locality, in the specific locality. We bring core fiber up till their place. Just to give you an example, in Delhi, we have 700 such partners taking care of various localities, 700 localities of Delhi. Now we have around 6,500 kilometers of fiber, which we maintain. This fiber goes to those partners, a office or a home or a shack of that partner. Uh, it's going there. And from that point onwards to the, each and every home in the locality, the partner uh, lays the fiber and maintains the fiber. So in the partner, we share our uh, revenue. There's a revenue sharing agreement for that locality uh, running on that network. This so-called Uberization of broadband we have done. We need some model of doing it. But tell me this, you quit your job and you had some savings, but I'm sure they would not have been enough to start a broadband company. I'm assuming there would be a lot of upfront investment in equipment and I don't even know what is the supply chain here. Where does the, from where do you source the supply of broadband that you further distribute? Uh, yeah. Tell me about that whole journey of starting up and i always wanted to do it myself but then i found my co-founders in the bulgarian guys victor francis and nikolai gorsalov okay they, they also didn't have money to do it but the idea was there and once we had the idea we started seeking out for investors and ultimately found uh, one investor in bulgaria and it started with basic investment of one and a half million one and a half million euros which is peanuts in this business and but when we started with that but since the model was clever in which this broadband business 80 percent of all capex is last mile last mile means the last cable now this 80 percent is outsourced to uh, many many local entrepreneurs so that's why we have been much much more i think at least 30 40 percent more capital efficient than any telco that, that's how we started and so we raised this one and a half million and we had promised them 50,000 users in the first year rather it was our internal target 50,000 users in the first year and 35,000 users is what we had told the investors promised them delivered one lakh in the first year itself and this idea of uberization the local entrepreneurs for last mile this was there right from the beginning or you stumbled upon it after starting up like there was a um, these local entrepreneurs like cable operators were being used by many ISP internet providers to deliver bandwidth but in a very very crude way they were telling them okay this is the wire i have brought the wire up to you now do whatever you want to do you do the sales you do the cx you do everything now these guys have no freaking idea what sale means what cx means what proper customer onboarding and handling means so yeah we sort of made it much better and it has been an interesting journey ever since from those one lakh users the first month now we have around 7.5. So in, in one month, how did you get one lakh users in a, in a month's time? Like In a year, in a year, not a month. In a year, sorry. How, how did you do that? What was the customer acquisition strategy? And Door-to-door sales. We have door-to-door sales forces who do door knocking, pamphleting, intercepting customer on the street and so forth. Very difficult to make them understand that 20 Mbps speed is possible. All the wireline providers are giving 1 or 2 Mbps, mobile was giving 250 Mbps. Suddenly you're telling them for 500 rupees you get 20 uh, Mbps of speed. They don't believe you. They say, no, you're lying. They say, no, check. No, check. You're lying. You're a liar. But once people realize that it's really possible and we're giving those speeds and there's no fair usage policy, it sold like hotcakes in the first year. Yeah. The product itself was so much better than the alternative that it sold. The, the, the competitors didn't know what to do, what I hate them, what is it, what are they talking about, how do they make money, how is it possible? But yes, then obviously they started learning second, second, third year onwards. And uh, how do you make money? Tell me the supply chain for internet. You are receiving that bandwidth or I don't know what, but you're receiving that bandwidth which you're further supplying. So Yeah, it's, it's interesting that what you buy basically is just... 10 to 15 percent of what you sell because uh, you buy international minutes international capacity from a 
gateway provider because uh, in the country there are just two or three gateway providers. You buy capacity capacity from them. That's just ten percent of ten to fifteen percent of what your users get. But then uh, because you make pairing arrangements with all country providers. So for example, Google would sit in your cache, would sit in your data center. They will say that I want to be nearer to my user, and uh, I don't depend on the international routes. I want to sit inside your room. If you are big enough and you have uh, enough users, they come and sit in your. They pair with you. And similarly, other content providers, whether it is Amazon, whether it is Akamai, whether it's uh, Disney, all of these guys want to come nearer to the customer. Netflix, every, everybody, they want to come nearer. So they will place their server in your premises. Yes, they will place their server in our premises, or in some cases, they will bring their own fiber in our premises to say, okay, uh, just for their uh, services. They may be in a city of like Bombay, which has gateway. They will be a sort of data center, and they say, okay, bring your fiber here and take. My services, so something like that. So ninety percent of all traffic that is consumed by the users today is from these content arrangements that you are. Okay, and one question here on these content arrangements: Is there a commercial angle here also? Like, do they pay you rent for location on your premises, or do you pay them something? You pay whatever it takes to reach there, and they place servers in your data center, and obviously they will not pay you rent for that. So, so. Nobody pays, uh, no party pays each other anything. But logistics you have to take care of. Okay, got it. Ten percent is uh, what you are paying to the gateway. Ten percent is uh, to paying to the gateway. That's the international traffic which goes through submarine cables. So, for example, uh, interaction like this cannot be done through caching servers. It has to be through international uh, gateway. Yeah, but all video consumption, all uh, content, OTT is through caching. All the whole of YouTube is cached. Most of it is cached. So that that's how it is. And then you have your own logarithms in your data center, which prioritizes some traffic, gives proper packet-wise understanding of how you're going to maintain your services to the users. And then you obviously create packages for them speed-wise. Why do you need these algorithms? What would happen if there were no algorithms? It's then more crude. For example, right now we have a video conversation, and somebody is watching the let's say YouTube video, which is not cached, but is coming internationally. So this cannot have a break. That can have a break. You understand that video can come slowly because it's getting cached while he's watching. But this is live. So so such prioritization needs to be done uh, properly. Or the video can go low resolution when the bandwidth is low, but the audio remains clear. Exactly, M- many such uh, announcements that those are done, and then obviously you distribute it in packets. So uh, obviously the billing information has to be kept there, and then you take it out from a data center uh, through your rings across fiber rings across the city, multiple fiber rings, which are basically self-healing. MPLS, they call them. Well, what is a fiber ring? What does the word ring here mean? Yeah, all the fiber you lay in a city has to be in a ring architecture. Because if it cuts from one place, there's a fiber cut, it starts working from the other side. You understand? For example, I create a ring, I lay fiber across the city in a ring fashion. And I have my points of presence on that ring everywhere from which I run the uh, partners. Now, if there's a fiber cut at one place, it doesn't matter. The ring will automatically go from the other side and uh, you know connect the partner. Okay, 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 okay. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. All this is automatic and self-healing. So you need to do that. So you do that. You create points of presence. From that points of presence, you connect the partner and put a device called OLT, optical line transfer there. With what's a point of presence? Uh, it's like you're tapping into that ring. That's a point of presence. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. Obviously, there are electronic equipments to do that. We do that. Then it goes to the partner's premise where you put OLTE, optical line transmitter there, which is a uh, core device for going to homes. And from that, various wires go and you can enter the homes then. And while you... So it changes that information into something which is, which can go through a, like a smaller wire. Okay. That's right. And then once you are uh, inside homes, you put uh, your Wi-Fi routers there and you're on. Like from a PNL perspective, what is the PNL like for, so you said 10% is what you would pay as gateway charges and the rest would be like cost of laying wire and all of that? Or? Oh, uh, the biggest cost always is the manpower cost because you have huge armies to sell. For example, we have 3,000 people. Right now, the staff strength is 3,200 directly employed people. And uh, there are partner employees also, people aligned with Excitel as around 78,000. But yeah, people cost is the biggest cost that we have. And this people cost is for sales or also for running the network? Sales and CX primarily. These are the two biggest heads. People who onboard customers and people who resolve issues of the customers. CX means call center, chat support, so on and so forth. And also people who go and outsell, that's the biggest cost. And there are hierarchies there, so on and so forth. But then there are other, obviously, heads also. But these two comprise the maximum manpower. Okay. You, 2015, you started, right? So by 2016, you hit 1 lakh users and you had raised that 1.5 million. What kind of revenues were you doing that time? Very difficult to judge. I think around 50 lakh, 500 rupees was an ARP, you can sit away, say. So after that, we went for another round, which was 5 million. Which year was that? It was year 17 or 18. When we bought the second round, Series B, we call it. So we took it to 5 uh, lakh users with that. And then after Series B came the Series C, which was around 10 million, around 100 crores, which we have done like months back. Now we closed it. And uh, we are now at 7.5 uh, lakh users as of today. So basically, need for fundraise is to expand geographically. Like every new region you open up needs a certain amount of investment in laying the fiber and building a team and offices and kickstart those operations you need money and after a year or so it starts paying back but then for that till that time you need to invest so yeah the need of money is to expand you rightly got it you can do some expansion with your internal accruals from the older cities for daily plays a big part in that but only in a small way because if you want to start a big city like Delhi, you can be done with the proceeds from Delhi. So right now we're in around 29 cities um, across the country. Uh, major cities being Delhi, Bombay, Bangalore, and then the smaller towns around it. For example, in UP, we have around 10, 12 cities, right from Gorakhpur to Meerut, Lucknow, uh, Kanpur, all the whole belt, Guntur, Vijayawada, and, and the towns in that periphery. Currently, we have Bangalore, we have Mangalore. So, total of around 2028 towns, 2029 towns. And what is the, what percent, let's say, for example, Delhi. So, in Delhi, what percentage of the broadband market is with you? Okay, Airtel has been doing wireline business in Delhi from last 20 years. And they have the biggest share. I think around a million, maybe more than a bit more than a million users. I think we have around 4 lakh users, 4.2, 4.3 user lakh users, reaching around half a million users in last five years of our existence. Yeah, so probably we'll be number two in Delhi. So nationally, if you discount the telcos, Airtel and Geo, we would be third or fourth in the broadband companies list. And so essentially like more than 50% of your current user base is from Delhi. Delhi is like the your flagship location, so to say. It 
it was the old, oldest location. It started before anybody anywhere else. And we were slower to get a start in the south. Because we started Hyderabad in 2017 or 18. But attraction is now coming actually from there. Because we are working on the resources there. So yeah, I joke with the people here that we are a Delhi company with the offshoots here and there. Now from last year, we are a truly national company. Yes, which is multiple engines pulling it. What all do you need to do to make a city grow? Is it a lot of like hoardings and advertisements and marketing spend or is it like feet on street? Or See, because this is a hyper local business because each and every household has to be connected to fiber. The marketing is also very hyper local effort. It can be 10 localities, but not in five in between. So you cannot do ATL, you cannot do mass promotion on a TV or a radio or something like that. What you can do very effectively is hyper-local stuff which is done through feet on street. Those canopy activities, those standy activities, uh, local competitions and so on and so forth. Pamphlets, the newspaper inserts because we still have newspapers here. So newspaper inserts from time to time. So such things work here. But yeah, the entire effort is hyper-local. And now obviously thanks to technology, we have Google, a targeted Google ads, targeted Facebook ads because they can do for each ads real longitude. So that's also what we use a lot now. Percentage of your spend, marketing spend is online and what percentage is offline? Do you spend more on online ads or more on offline? No, much more on offline, much more on offline because you have a huge army of, you know, 2,000 people who need to be fed with these pamphlets. Without pamphlets, they are, there's nothing they can do. So each person per day needs around 100 pamphlets to talk to people. So so it's passive. It's like 80% is offline and 20% is online. What is the unit economics for a salesman? Like, how much do you pay a salesman and how much revenue does he generate for you? Yeah, so a salesman on an average earns plus minus 20,000 rupees. And the least you expect from him to survive in the system is one per day, one line per day. So at least 26, 27 lines in a month for him to survive in the system. Otherwise, performance improvement plans will kick in and so on and so forth and he'll be sort of either he improves performance or he'll not stay in the system they need to create one one line per day about 300 new subscriptions annually roughly speaking so what is your flywheel is it just that keep hiring more salespeople and each salesperson will get you 300 subscriptions or what is the flywheel for you there are two legs to uh, there are two spokes to the wheel uh, so to say one is number of partners. We call them ERPs, exactly regional partners. Partner, I mean the local entrepreneur. And then the sales guy has to be mapped to the partner. And depending on the homes that this partner has covered, you designate salespeople. So each salesperson for around 3,000 homes, 3,000 homes. But depending on homes you have, you are ready for service, you put the sales guy. So there's this map. Homes ready for delivery compared to a number of people. So you need to do both at the same time. You need to increase your distribution through partners and then you need to increase the sales effort through only one will not work got it got it okay okay you know you're operating in a market with very well capitalized competitors what makes you feel that there is a space for you to exist and thrive and grow or is the path forward eventually getting acquired by one of these what do you see simply put as i said that all these well capitalized players telcos are primarily operating in this 30-35% of urban India, which is structured. I think like Reliance uh, is making that effort with the Geo phone to tap beyond urban India and... Uh, as far as wireline goes, uh, it's very difficult for them to envisage and, uh, you know, under these territories, where 70% of the urban Indians live. So, yeah, our, our game uh, remains there uh, in the Bharat section of urban India. 
in uh, the places where there are no proper broadband services have been given. We're providing world-class fiber to home services at 500 rupees to these people. So that's the game and that's the mass we're looking at. Can there be a strategic tie-up with one of these players? Yes, whenever they see value in us, which they have started already seeing, is they're also starting their partner-led divisions now. I think both Airtel and Geo. Okay, so partner-led division is like copying your model, the entrepreneur model. Okay, okay. Exactly. They are starting in cities here and there. But again, for, from their perspective, it's very difficult to do it because they are basically a telecommunication company doing it directly, now trying to patch partners. While as in our case, the whole ecosystem has been built to convert these partners into real franchisees. There's a lot of IT, a lot of technology that we put into the whole ecosystem. You see, the fundamental issue is that if you have 500 partners in Delhi, you don't want 500 customer experiences. You want one customer, uniform customer experience. You want one delivery type. You want one uh, resolution uh, of ticket. For that, we have put in a lot of upgradations. Technology was not there because nobody was doing this model before. So the technology didn't exist. So we had to do a lot our own coding. We had to put our coders and create softwares for all. So essentially, you have a lot of digital workflows to ensure consistency across partners. Yeah, first and foremost, treating them as real franchisee. That these are the guys who can be your partners. So gamification of the whole thing, uh, four hour SLAs. In our case, if you are there, if your issue is resolved in four hours, fine. If not, we'll give one day free to customer. Uh, such is the level of trust on the uh, and commitment from the service. It doesn't come easy. It comes with a lot of processes and a lot of uh, like work and then a lot of codification of those processes. Like, uh, give me some examples of what all work you've done here to make this work build an organization which is yeah for, let's start with the basic thing now we have for example in delhi 600 fac's street on street now where are they where do we find them where are they selling first and foremost we have tagged them uh, they have apps and on those apps they can do sale and they can book a customer now these apps will work only on one partner location for a specific person when he's tagged he goes out of that location the app, the app doesn't work and you build this app in-house exactly exactly he can do sales from that app. He can do everything with that app. Uh, similarly, apps for the partner staff, because partner itself is not working. He has a few more people. So they are also tagged in the system. They We understand who's doing what. How much time is he taking to resolve a complaint? Partner also comes to know how effectively work is being done by his people on the ground. So it's all through apps and portals that we are uh, interacting with each other. There must be some customer app also where customers can raise issues or... Exactly. Customer app also. Oh. And there's a partner app also. There's a FAC app also. Apps and portals are interactive easier in our case rather than just patching it up. So the whole resolution could be digital without needing to actually talk to anyone. Like a customer could raise an issue on the app and the partner would get notified through the app that this is a problem. And if it is a partner's problem, if it's not partner's problem, he can do a self-check. Also, there is a system that checks parameters and there is always issue without anybody talking to them. And if it goes to partner if only there is a fiber cut where physically somebody goes to resolve it. If it's not fiber cut, then we can take care of it remotely. Okay. There could be some configuration issues and things like that. All that can be done remotely. Now we have even artificial intelligence which tells us what is happening inside a customer's home in the sense that how many devices are connected to the Wi-Fi, whether it's a Samsung phone, a Sony TV or an Apple a MacBook, which one is getting how much bandwidth, where is the issue, is the, is the issue location of the router or the person is not sitting on a proper place to get the device, you know, signals, so on and so forth. Do you think you'll have more success in the tier two towns that you have opened up in, considering that metro cities are like all the telcos and also 
going after metro city audience the fundamental assumption is the same that whether in metro or in small city in the indian nature of indian city is the same 30% organized 30% high rbu and 70% mass and 70% unorganized and you know so metros as well as non metros have same uh, you know any small city in india you have nagars rajiv nagar indra nagar jawahar nagar and all that and then you have old names which are, which has like 70% live there in old names yeah like you jabrutpur and all these places in shadra utam nagar it's full that's where people live but where do you see your growth coming from is it your growth will come more from non metro or more from metro or see the initial growth is always from metro but once you're a strong in a metro you go to nearby towns for example when we were strong in delhi and now we have around 10 or towns in up but but you Or for that to happen, you need to cover and capture nearby metro first, and that's how people from other metro, other smaller towns, because they look up to the metro, nearby metro. North look up to Delhi, people in the west look up to Bombay, people in south look up to Chennai, you know, so on and so forth. So you need to have metro first, and then you need to go to smaller towns. And oh, so you're currently at about seven and a half lakh subscribers. Uh, what's your roadmap? Like, do you have the At the end of the year, we need to, in any case, reach a million, and that's what we have promised investors, and we deliver that. And uh, by the end of two, uh, two, I mean, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, mid will be uh, two million users. So about ten percent of the broadband to home, like fixed line to home market, will be with you by end of twenty twenty three. Yeah, we'll grow also till that time. So yeah. And so, what's your long term vision for this? Do you look at eventually getting acquired or eventually going for an IPO or from that perspective? Both options are open, Akshay. If some bigger entity wants to keep the model, keep the basic principles, and give a bigger platform for us to open thousand cities tomorrow, why not? And that will be one way: strategic tie-ups. And the other is IPO, obviously. So these are the two options in front of us. What is the investor interest for this space, broadband to home? Not much, unfortunately, in the sense, at least in this country, because the reliance there, uh, and uh, yeah, so everybody thinks that uh, they're going to sort of uh, take everything. To make them understand, it's wireline, it's not mobile, and wireline is thousand times more complicated to do, even for uh, reliance. So it's not very hot in that sense. Would five G be a viable alternative to broadband to home? Would five G give similar speeds? Or... You see, any five G, four G, three G, any G, for that matter, either mobile technologies. And uh, mobile technologies mean uh, they're very good uh, when you are on the move, uh, on the go. It works perfectly all right. But as, as soon as you enter home, it doesn't. Uh, it starts having problems. And the problem is that higher you go in frequency, the more would be the problem. You see, when we used to have two G, mobiles used to work very well inside homes also. Then came three G, started getting worse off. Then four G is very bad right now in the country, uh, and five G will be worse. Because it's physics, uh, you increase the frequency, the amplitude goes down. So the ability to penetrate walls goes down. Uh, so all these uh, mobile technologies will be very good for on the go. They'll get a lot. Of, you'll get a lot of speed for sure on the go. What for home? The other thing that is there is the limitation of spectrum. Spectrum is the air frequency used to get the data. Now you have one tower in a locality and a limited capacity tower, and then hundred people latch onto that tower. The capacity is divided by hundred people. So, for example, if we are all watching a match at the same time, the tower will go down because it will not work. Whatever G it might be, yeah. Here we are getting a dedicated wire to your home, meant for you alone, and a capacity dedicated to you alone, and it works anywhere in the home because Wi-Fi router is inside the home. You are saying at scale, five G speeds will be like four G speeds. 
once there is like mass level 5G adoption, just simply because of the large volume of uh, users. Yeah, 4G is supposed to give around 60, 70, 80 Mbps. But what is that you get? You get 2085 right now. So similarly, 5G is supposed to give 100 something, but it will give you 10, 15 like that. So broadband to home will always be fast, especially for video. And Okay, okay. So is bundling a part of your strategy? Because essentially, if you're saying video consumption is the key use case for broadband to home, then it would make sense to sell a complete package with subscriptions included in it. Yeah, we're doing that. We're trying to do that. Though um, we don't see a great sort of uh, use case there because uh, people are already getting these OTT apps through mobile uh, operators. And everybody who has a post mobile connection gets a free gets free OTT devices or free OTT services. Still, we're bundling it because uh, if somebody wants to use it from our customer base, uh, they can have it. Got it. Amazing. Okay. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium dot in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.